Um, for those of you watching on uh, the stream, there is a link down below to a handout that has some questions on it. And uh, uh, I'll give the, uh, the audience a little heads up. That's, that's hopefully will encourage audience participation. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I made up some questions that, uh, that I hope we can, we can uh, uh, go back and forth with um, as, we, uh, as we go through our study tonight. Um, I've, I've titled it Paul's Investment Strategy. Um, I always think of that, um, that commercial that was several years ago about E.F. Hutton. Um, if you remember that, it was, it was really kind of comical uh, commercial about um, a, a bunch of people in a room and um, one, one investment person would be talking to another and he would say, well, my broker's E.F. Hutton. And he says, and then the room goes silent and everybody freezes right where they're at. Well, Paul's investment strategy is a little different. He is not too concerned at all about the stock market or money. But he, isn't concer- but he is concerned about uh, people in the church and how they invest their time for the Lord. So that's what I'd like to, uh, I'd like to talk ab- about tonight. Largely, we will be in 1 Corinthians 9. Um, the first part of it, we're, we're, we'll kind of rapidly go through, but our, our main focus will be on, on verses 19 through 27 as we look at and focus in on um, just what, uh, what Paul has uh, in mind uh, for us. Um, <clears throat> first, I'd like to ask a question, though. We live in a country that uh, is, is very much... Uh, pro-liberty, pro-freedom, which of your freedoms would you be willing to voluntarily give up? Have you ever thought about that? There's a lot of talk right now about um, giving up some freedoms in view of security. And the security is with with the COVID and the uh, um, the mandates and the protocols and all of that. Um, and what are we going to give up to get that security? Um, and I certainly don't, don't have any opinion on that. But, but think about what, what freedoms you might voluntarily give up um, that, that, that this country affords you. Anybody got any ideas about that? Pam? In my mind, I'm thinking the freedom to sue because I speak, how suing people has been created to have in our country. But yet I also see that in doing that, it also takes away some of the good things about the ability to do that to somebody who has wronged you or harmed you really badly. You know what I'm saying? So... The freedom for litigation, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. right. There are there are probably two sides to that, and uh, uh, very much so. Um, and it's hard to figure out where the balance is a lot of times. <clears throat> 
What I'd like for us to do is think about, in the back of our minds now, freedoms and liberty and and those things that we kind of take for granted living in this country. I know um, I when when we go uh, for the winter down south, I, I ride motorcycles with a, a guy from Canada. And as we talk about his country and ours, my my view of Canada is it's pretty much the same as America. But there are some significant differences. And... Um, largely, um, maybe, maybe not to a great extent, but to some extent, Canada does not offer its citizens the same level of freedom that we have here in America. Um, and that's just the way they do it. Uh, there are pros and cons about that. Um, some, of the, some of the things that we face as issues they don't, they don't face them too much because, because people don't have those, those kind of freedoms. Um, so think about that. As we go through this, we're going to talk about freedom and liberty and, and our role as Christians in how that manifests itself in our lives. So um, the, the next question is, um, we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9, but I want to see the, the context, I want you to see the context from which Paul writes this. Um, and um, I've included uh, some verses there, um, chapter 7, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 25, 8, Chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 12, verse 1, 16, 1, and 16, 12. What do those verses have in common? Anybody make a guess? You haven't had a lot of time to look at it. He starts off uh, most every, every one of those verses by saying, Now concerning. Now concerning means... He is answering a question that has popped up in the church. And in chapter 8, verse 1, which is the larger context, or the, I guess, smaller context, of what we're going to look at um, about liberty, um, Paul begins the uh, section by talking about meat that has been sacrificed to idols. Now, generally speaking, we don't have that issue here. Um, we, have, uh, we have termed it the weaker brother. And um, we're not going to, per se, look at all of the ins and outs about the weaker brother. But in the midst of uh, chapter 8, verse 1, all the way through um, chapter 11, verse 1, Paul gives... This, um, this teaching or argument, actually, as it, as it turns out to be, to the church at Corinth to try to get them to see uh, what he wants them to uh, believe and exercise about their liberty and their freedoms. So we're going to look at uh, chapter 9 and... Just kind of keep in mind that, that, that he's talking about, um, about the weaker brother. 
But he begins chapter 9, and he, he, it almost looks like, what's this about? This is a different subject. But it really is, is, uh, fits right in to the, to the context between chapter 8 and, and chapter 10. Let me, let me read uh, chapter 9, and I think I'll just read the whole, the whole thing um, and um, try to, we'll come back and, and uh, try to get the, the gist of it. So Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles do, and the brothers of, our, of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen. Is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things, that we may cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar? So also the Lord directed that those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things. And I am not writing these things that, I may be done, that it may be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. If, if I, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. And so to the Jews, I became a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became weak, 
that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might save, that I might by all means save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Okay, um, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about the, uh, the context. Um, the weaker brother, um, the whole aspects of, of the larger chapters 8 through 10 is, is a subject for several nights. And I just kind of want to focus in on, on chapter 9, and, and largely because out of some of my studies for last Sunday, uh, kind of the light bulb clicked on as far as how Paul chose to use his liberty towards the advance of the gospel. Um, and, and so that, that will be kind of our, our, ultimate, um, our ultimate goal tonight. So in, in the first 18 verses of, of chapter 9, uh, Paul addresses his action towards the church at Corinth with, a, with uh, a view to him as an example of giving up his rights for the cause of Christ. He asks a number of questions, and, and they, all, they all demand a yes answer. Do we not have a right to eat a drink? Do we not have a right to take along a, a believing wife? They all, they all demand a yes answer. And Paul is doing that um, to try to get the people of Corinth to look at their liberties and their freedoms from his point of view. Um, so the first, the first couple of questions I've got, um, what is Paul giving up? What specific rights did Paul give up? In, in chapter 9, verse 4, what, what right did he give up? Anybody want to take a stab? He gave up the right to be married. He said, don't I have a right to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's, he gave up the right to eat and drink. Um, I wrote that down wrong. <clears throat> he gave up the right to eat and drink. Um, so he, he chose to limit his liberty in the area of eating and drinking so it would not uh, offend some of the people that he was with. Um, in, in verse 5, um, what does he say he's giving up? Yes. 
uh, a believing wife. Um, and the other apostles uh, apparently brought their wives along. Paul was not married, and he, he had no wife. He, so he, he for, and later on, in, in, uh, actually earlier in this book, he talks about the benefits of marriage and the benefits of not being married. And then uh, lastly, in, in chapter 9, verse 6, um, what's he talking about there that he has given up? Employment? Yeah, what, he, what he's talking about there is the fact that um, he has not asked the church at Corinth to support him while he ministers to them. Um, he instead would um, work generally in the off hours or, or whenever he could and make tents. He was a leather worker by trade. And they would, uh, um, him and, and the, the people with him in his, in his uh, outreach team would make leather goods and support themselves through their own work. And, and that's why he... Uh, um, he talks about, do I not have the right to refrain from working? They were, they were working double shifts, if you will, um, ministering to the church at Corinth, and then in the off hours, they were trying to make enough money to support themselves. <clears throat> so in, in, in verses 1 through 15, Paul defends his right to ask the church to support him. As, as he serves him both as an apostle as, and as a minister. And then he kind of does an about face. In, in verses 16 through 18, he says, okay, I'm not doing this so that you will support me or that you will donate money. I'm not trying to what I call uh, the martyr syndrome. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty so you'll... you'll uh, give towards my cause. That's not the point of this. The point is, I have the freedom to say I'm not going to take any money from the church. Um, and so Paul is, is kind of exercising or, or showing the church at Corinth that he has the right to say, don't worry about it. I'm not going to take uh, any money. And we'll talk about why Paul might do that um, as we get a little closer to the end. But Paul um, has not taken any money from the church at Corinth, and he, he chooses not to um, and, and, and says, in effect, I don't want your money. I don't, I don't want you um, to do that. Um, what he what he wants to make clear is just because he does not take their money doesn't mean he is any less of an apostle or any less of a minister. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I want you to think about rights and liberties now. And when a person insists upon their rights, who is the focus generally on? Well, say that again? Yes, the person, me. That's exactly right. Paul is saying that's exactly wrong, where, where your focus needs to be. Um, Paul is saying, in effect, and, and this whole chapter 
has to do with what your focus is, who your focus is, and what you're doing. What is your goal in, in all of this? Um, so Paul is, is taking steps to try to get the Corinthians to see um, a different avenue. Not focus, and we live in a country that really highlights our freedoms. I mean, um, and, and not just our country, most of the Western world. We, we are very big on freedoms and liberty and, and all of that. Um, so um, I think, well, let me ask you this question. Do you think America has influenced the church on how to view liberty and freedom? Yeah, I think I think we could all agree on that. Um, so, <clears throat> the absolute opposite of that is what Paul says he is in. I think it's um, verse nineteen, and this is kind of the key verse. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all, that I might win the more. What is it about being a slave or a servant that we just absolutely repel? We just don't like it. Why is that? Pride? There's, that's probably, that's one I hadn't thought of, but that's probably true. Pride, pride probably enters into it. What I thought of was, I think we're afraid that people will take advantage of us and, and um, take it too far. We're okay being a slave or a servant to someone as long as we can define the parameters. It's, it's kind of interesting, this word that Paul uses for, for slave, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that was, was it, the same word was used of when uh, Israel was in Egypt, and they didn't get to define the parameters. They had to live with, with what Pharaoh and, and the, the Egyptians put out. Um, Paul says, I make it my goal to be a slave to everyone. Um, a pretty incredible uh, statement. So, <clears throat> the next thing... Um, I want to ask is, did you ever think about the freedoms that Jesus gave up so that we might live? What, what are some of those freedoms that, that Jesus gave up uh, here on earth? What's that? He gave up his glory, didn't he? Yes, uh, very much so. He gave up his right to be with the Father. Um, uh, that was uh, a part of it. He had no home. He, he, he gave up that right. Um, largely, uh, I, money didn't enter into his thinking at all, um, except right and wrong ways uh, to use it. Um, he gave up the right to marriage and the right to his reputation. Remember that um, even... Even before, um, 
he was very old, he was accused of being illegitimate. And so uh, uh, his reputation started off uh, down the tubes. He gave up the right to life itself, and he became obedient to death on a cross. Um, All of that was so God might exalt him and give him a name above every name. But it also was for an example to us as well. And I think it's at this juncture that, that we need to point out something. Sacrifice is, is a big deal. God values, God places value on something by how much it costs us. Let me say it again. God places value on something by how much it costs us. I think that's, that's the lesson out of, out of the widow who, who came into the church and put a penny in the, in the offering thing, in the synagogue, actually, or temple. And, and Jesus said she gave more than all the rest of those guys. How could that be? Because it costs her more. Her sacrifice was greater. She gave because out of her poverty. She couldn't afford it, but she gave it anyways. It, her, it costs her more to give that than it costs the other people to give their, their larger sums. God places the value on something by how much it costs us. And when we're talking about giving up or becoming a slave or, or um, foregoing our rights and our liberties, that is a sacrifice that we, are, that we are giving up for the sake of the gospel. Subjecting our welfare, or excuse me, subjecting our freedom for the welfare of other people is not something we do naturally. It's not something that, that we automatically do. It's something God has to do a work in our hearts for. Um, it, it's, it's, it's all a work of God. And um, once, once we, we enter into that, we, we tend to see the value of, of giving up some of our, our freedoms and our liberties for the sake of the gospel. Um, Who is the focus of Paul's thinking? If we're, if, we're, if we're talking about rights and liberties, what's, what's Paul's thinking? Is it, it's exactly the opposite of, of, uh, of what we normally associate when somebody talks about their rights or their, their liberty. Who's, who's Paul's focus on? Others and the gospel. Yes, absolutely. Um, normally the focus is on me, myself, and I, but, but for Paul, it's others and their relationship with Christ. Um, and, and the way we need to look at this is our freedom allows us for 
self-imposed slavery. Just like, just like Paul said, I have a right not to take money from you guys in Corinth. Same thing's true when I'm ministering the gospel to other people. I have a right to become a slave to those people. I have a right to minister to those people on my terms. I'm giving up my rights. I'm going to minister to them out of love for what's best for them. So how does Paul make himself a slave of all men? What does that mean in practical terms? What do you think he did to become a slave of all men? What are some of the things that that uh, you kind of remember about what Paul might have done, what liberties and freedoms he gave up. There were certainly, there were certainly some of the, the dietary restrictions. Um, and we'll kind of talk about that in a second. But Paul would, when he was with Jews, to as not, so as not to, def, to offend them, he would place himself under the dietary restrictions. He called it under the law, even though he wasn't under the law. He wanted to make that clear to them that he was limiting his freedom so that he might have an audience with them. Otherwise, um, if he didn't, he, he, there would not, they wouldn't have listened to one word he said. They would have, they would have just... Uh, uh, turned their backs on him and, and walked out. Some other things that he did um, was he took a, in Acts, uh, it talks about that he took a Nazarite vow to, to mend fences, if you will. Uh, Paul, for a week, um, shaved his head and uh, uh, took a vow uh, for a week with three or four other men to kind of join with them um, and show that he was part and parcel um, the same as them. Paul would do anything that did not run counter to the, to the gospel. Now, I want to ask this question. If, if you have somebody who's eating one way with one group of people and somebody who's eating a different way with other group of people, is that kind of hypocritical? What's that? It could, be viewed that way. it could be viewed that way. Yes, it yes it could. Paul Paul wants to point out that hey, this is my right. I I can do that as long as I don't send a message that is um, is is wrong or hurtful for the gospel. Peter did that very same thing. But there's, there's kind of a, um, a caveat, if you will. When, when Peter was with the, um, in Galatians chapter 2, when Peter um, came to the Gentiles, um, he was eating with them on a regular basis. But then some, some uh, prominent Jews came from Jerusalem over and he disassociated himself with, with the Gentiles and started eating with, with those people. He was 
basically what we call peer pressure. He was intimidated by them. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face because it sent the wrong message to the Gentile believers. It said, you're not as good as they are. And that's not a message that is, is truthful at all. And, and Paul said, I confronted him on that. Um, Paul was not inconsistent, but consistent. The consistent criteria was winning the loss to Christ. He said, I will do whatever it takes to win the loss to Christ. Um, and the only, the only factor that limited Paul was love. Everything that he did was done out of, out of love. Um, not self-denial and, and self-sacrifice. What might be those things that we would limit our liberty to and our liberty or our freedom for the cause of the gospel today? What might, what might be some areas where we might think about limiting our freedom? What's that? Judgment. Judgment. Okay. Um, exercising uh, uh, maybe some prejudice or um, what's that? Acceptance. Okay, right, right. Okay, acceptance and stuff. Um, there are still some people who have dietary restrictions, um, and if we are aware of that, we might want to uh, we might want to limit what we do to um, to not offend them. Um, over the years, I've watched other believers give up prestige, power, lucrative careers, comfort, even personal dreams to follow Christ and to minister the gospel. Think of what missionaries give up. They go overseas and they, and they, they basically turn their back on all of the all of the things that America has and and, and take um, take and become a part of the country that they're going to join for the sake of the gospel. Um, what you don't want to do is you don't want to handicap your win by alienating people. If you know that something um, might offend somebody, you want, to, you want to make sure that you don't cross that line. You don't, you don't exercise your freedom, even, if you, even though you know you could um, and, and you have the right to do it, um, you don't want to alienate them. Did you notice how many times Paul talked about win in the latter part of uh, this chapter. Um, to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law as without the law, not being without the law, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. Paul said basically, I'm going to work to win those to Christ. I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to strategize. 
I'm going to limit my freedoms. I'm going to do everything that it takes. Five times he mentions when in this, um, in this chapter. And then he goes on to illustrate that by the um, athletic games that they were all familiar with. We all know about the Olympics. They had, they had the, the Olympics, and then they had a, a thing at Corinth called uh, Isthmian Games. There's a little isthmus that comes down and connects um, the landmass that's around Corinth with the rest of Greece. And so they, they named the games Isthmian Games. And they were much like the Olympian Games that we're associated with. Those people who wanted to compete in those games would um, train for 10 months straight, um, discipline themselves. They limited some of the things that they did because they knew that that was not beneficial towards them winning. Paul said, we need to run this race so that um, we discipline ourselves so that we might win. The focus here is, is not on salvation or, or winning per se, but on the discipline that it takes to make that happen. Uh, Paul says, I will make myself a slave to make that happen. Um, and he goes on to say, you know, those athletes, they compete and and what they, they, they didn't get a gold medal or a silver medal or a bronze medal. They got a wreath. Um, I, I'm not sure why they gave them a wreath. It doesn't seem like very much of a prize to me, but for, for all that work. But, but I guess along with the wreath came prestige and um, benefits uh, as a citizen uh, because you won those games. Paul says that wreath is going to perish. But the, the wreath, uh, the prize that we get, is an eternal one. It does not perish. Lastly, Paul kind of sums this all up in, in chapter 11, verse 1. He said, be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. And, and that's, that's kind of what it all boils down to. One of the things I... I said I wanted to talk about and point out some of Paul's strategy. Um, when I was going through uh, 1 Thessalonians, this, uh, <clears throat> this kind of popped up, and it, and it, it kind of the light bulb clicked on for me. Um, let's see. Starting in chapter 2... Um, I'm going to skip some of this in the interest of time, but um, for <clears throat> I'm going to start at verse 3. For our exhortation does not come from error or impunity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. We never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. Even though as apostles of Christ, we might have asserted our authority. But we proved to be, a gentle, we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. 
Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. For you recall, brethren, how our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. What Paul is saying here is, when I came to the church in, in Thessalonica, we, we, we paid our own way. We, we are, you know, he had, he had detractors who would accuse him of, he's only in it for the money, he, uh, he's, he's, he's on a power, a power trip, he likes this power, all of this. And Paul said, no, that's not it at all. And as to prove that, we never took any money at all from you, just like he did in Corinth. He never took any money at all from them. The way Paul would do it, and um, lastly, turn to Philippians chapter 4, and this kind of is, um, is kind of the thing that Paul wants to... Uh, to use as his investment strategy. Philippians 4, verse 15. And you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once, for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases on your account. What Paul would do is he would have other, he, he had other support from other people. Paul, in his process to make himself a slave to all, Paul would take and not make sure he did not charge the church he was ministering to. That did a number of things. It quieted his detractors. They couldn't, they couldn't accuse him of, of being money hungry or anything else because he didn't take anything from them. He ministered to them and his support came from another church. Same thing is true at Corinth. His support came from the church in Thessalonica. And so he could say to the Corinthians, hey, I never took anything from you. That's the investment strategy. And Paul wanted the, the church at Corinth in the midst of talking about your rights of a weaker brother and can you, can you eat meat that's been offered in the temple and all of that. Paul said, that's the wrong question. The question you need to ask is, what do I give up for the sake of the gospel, because that's all that matters. If you're worried about your rights, your focus is on you. If you're worried about, or if you're concerned and planning a strategy for the gospel, the focus is on, on God and Jesus. And that's where you need to have your focus. Paul was all about doing anything it took for the furtherance of the gospel. 
and and so should we. We should plan our our strategy to win and discipline ourselves to forego our rights, to give them up for the sake of the gospel, whatever that takes. Um, I think a lot of times in America, that's an exercise of grace. We don't we don't do what normal people, what other people might do to respond in a certain situation. We let it go. We say, you know, don't worry about it. It's it's it might have been offensive, but but that's covered under the cross. And and I'm about sharing the gospel. And I don't want anything to get in the way of that. Any questions about that? It's it was kind of a Paul's kind of in the middle of his whole argument, but but the real focus is um, verse verse nineteen where he said, "I became a slave of all men so that I might win some." Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, my prayer is that uh, we might adopt. Paul's investment strategy, that we would be imitators of him just as he is of Christ, and that we might um, forego our rights, our privileges, so many other things that, that we take for granted, but rather give them up for the cause of the gospel. Lord, I pray that uh, you, would, you would speak to our hearts to show us those things that we might, um, we might sacrifice and um, give back to you so that, so that the gospel would be um, heard and received um, by those people around us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, uh, Bless the rest of this week now. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.